Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. Halloween has come and gone, and I'm so excited to announce that I released a bonus episode on my other podcast called True Crime Fan Club. I have a feeling you guys are really going to enjoy that episode. So if you're like me, the start of fall has meant you queued up your spooky podcast, grabbed the nearest basic witch latte or tea, and settled in for some spine-tingling tales. I can't be alone in this, right? Okay, ready to get spooked? The first submission comes from Barrister77, whose haunted object story is unlike any I've ever heard before. I'm curious to know your thoughts after you hear it. Listen, I'm a skeptic. I've been a lawyer for the past 10 years, and I'm about two-thirds of the way from being a licensed clinical psychologist in my home state. I understand Occam's razor and how simple explanations are normally best. I also know how impressionable people's minds can be, especially when disturbed or stressed. However, my family and I are having an issue, and I just have no rational way to deal with it, so I'm looking for some advice. I'll premise this with the following. We've lived in the rental for the past 14 months and have not had one single negative issue other than having to confront a neighbor or two about loud music. Now, I don't even know if I currently believe in anything involving the supernatural or even anything religious-oriented. I have in the past, but not necessarily now. That being said, I have an open mind. Nothing has happened here until yesterday. I'm a big gamer in my spare time, which is not very often with a three-year-old and a pregnant wife. Yesterday, I bought Resident Evil 7 for the PSVR, and there has been just strange shit happening ever since. I bought it yesterday around lunchtime and then came home from GameStop. I had to leave again to get my car into the shop for some repairs. I left the game at home while I was out, and the family stayed home. When I returned home, my wife was on the living room floor crying. My daughter was fine, but my wife asked why I hadn't responded to my phone. Apparently, while I was out, she and my daughter were watching videos on the laptop in her bedroom when they both heard a gigantic bang in the living room. We have a gliding chair we initially used for getting our daughter to sleep when she was a baby. The chair had somehow fallen forward toward the direction of the entertainment center with my consoles. There's just no way this chair would be able to fall forward like that for no reason. No way. I tried to reason with my wife about it and came up with some kind of explanation. I thought my daughter may have positioned it in a funny position and it fell. Regardless, I wrote it off. But last night I was playing RE7 late and heard my coffee pot making its usual noises. Now, I had coffee way earlier in the day, but hadn't for some 10 hours or so. Our coffee pot turns off by itself unless you manually turn it back on, and then it will just stay on until turned off again, I think. I absolutely did not turn it back on again. I was just sitting there, playing with the VR goggles, and then it was on. 
Still, I try to chalk it up to maybe one of us accidentally turning it on, which is a stretch. Today, we left for family outing, and I was the last one out of the house. I for sure turned off all the lights, as I'm a stickler about such things. I know they were all off when I left. Then, when we got home this evening, the living room light was on, and all of these so-called occurrences are just really messing with us tonight. I have an unborn child and my daughter. I hate to have to move, but I don't want my family in danger. I threw out RE7 at my wife's request a few hours ago, but this is all messing with me very badly. The game is in the garbage bin out on the street. Could it be the object? Is it the house? Is it all just a big great coincidence? Or is something attracted to one of us? I don't even know if I believe in these things, but I do know enough has happened to make me write this. So anybody's input would be immensely and wholeheartedly appreciated. After reading that, I was reminded of how upset my grandma was when I wanted to watch The Exorcist in her house. She's super superstitious and religious, which means she believes negative things breed negativity. Maybe the game did cause those occurrences. If nothing else has happened since throwing out the game, it sounds like that's a pretty good excuse. Our next story comes from Bjork's mom, whose former roommate might have been negatively affected by a spirit. When my ex-roommate and I first moved into our apartment, we had a lot of very disturbing things happen. We lived there a total of three years together, but the majority of the paranormal events happened within the first year. I still don't have any explanation for the events, and although we considered the apartment safe for the last two years, it was hard to convince our friends to visit us. We had all the classic symptoms of a typical haunting, objects mysteriously moving locations, our pets acting strange, shadows and dark objects in the corners of our eyes, etc. Now, listen, I love all things horror slash paranormal, but this apartment was different in the sense that it felt too real and the feeling of uneasiness followed me throughout the day, even when I was far from the house. Event number one, we had a housewarming party a few weeks after moving in and invited all of our friends. I foolishly mentioned to a guest that I had an uneasy feeling about our space and that things didn't feel quite right. This friend of mine has had paranormal experiences herself, which is probably why I felt comfortable disclosing my feelings. She agreed with me that the vibe was off, but accredited that feeling to us living in a new space. Later that night, after a few drinks, we had quite a scare. That same friend stumbled down our long hallway and accidentally knocked into the wall that separated my room from my roommate's room. As she stood upright, we heard an undeniably loud knock come from inside the wall like a retaliation. We both looked at each other frozen. She then knocked on the wall again, on purpose this time, and a few seconds later, we heard a knock back. 
We did this a few more times just to make sure our minds weren't fabricating the knocks. We were in my roommate's room by this point, listening to the knocking and the room became very cold, like a walk-in freezer. Her whole demeanor changed and she gathered her things and left. She explained that there was an energy that didn't make her feel safe and it was time for her to go. The party quickly fizzled out and that friend politely declined all our party invitations for the next three years, basically. Event number two. A few days after our party, things started to get worse. One night, my roommate and I somehow had dreams that correlated to one another. Can this even happen? I had a dream, more like a night terror, of an old woman with long gray hair, a dated gray wardrobe, and glowing green eyes standing over my bed looking at me. She had the ugliest, most sinister smile, but her glowing eyes looked dead. It's like the bottom half of her face didn't match the top half. We stared at each other for a very long time, but I was unable to move, which is why I consider this dream to be a night terror. When I finally regained control of my body, I got up and left my room, only to bump right into my roommate, who was leaving her room at the exact same time. This was especially terrifying as it was almost complete darkness at this point and we ran into each other pretty hard. I looked down at my watch. 3.04 a.m. I asked her why she was up and she said she had a really scary dream. My heart sank. Her bed was up against her bedroom window, which had long gray curtains. She explained that she was laying down on her side, facing the curtains, and she tried to move away from the wall still in bed. She said she got tangled into a big web of long gray slash black hair. This is when she woke up and escaped from her room, where we then ran into each other in the hall. This means that we would have had our dreams at the same time, roughly around 3 o'clock a.m. What the fuck does this mean? Event number three. Shortly after our dreams, my roommate went to Europe for a while on vacation, leaving me alone. A few days into her trip, the most fucked up thing happened. I have a habit of doing a quick five-minute clean of my room before leaving for work because I hate coming home to clutter at the end of the workday. I make my bed, put loose clothing away, close drawers, etc., and I vividly remember closing both my closet doors. There are two sliding glass doors that meet in the middle. Because my dog would rummage through my laundry basket and steal socks and small stuff if I left them open. Anyways, I come home from work and in the middle of my bedroom floor is one of my dresses, which was the high neck, maxi length, and gray one. The closer I got to it, the more obvious it became that it was deliberately placed how it was. The dress was twisted, like when you twist a towel to remove water from it, and then placed in a circle. There's no way my chihuahua opened my closet, removed a high-neck maxi dress from a felt-gripped hanger, twisted it, and then decoratively placed it in a circle on my floor. My roommate is gone, and no one else had a key. My dog wasn't in my room like he usually would be either. He was sitting in the top right-hand corner of the living room, which is the farthest place in the apartment from my room. I didn't realize at the time, but the dress in question is probably the piece of clothing most similar to the dress that the woman with the glowing eyes was wearing. Am I reaching? It was practically the only gray clothing I owned at the time. I never told my roommate, 
but I had my own theory that the spirit was attached to her somehow. The knocking and strange noises and temperature changes would only ever happen in her room, nowhere else in the unit. The dress on my bedroom floor was worn by my roommate the night before she left for her trip, so maybe the spirit was trying to connect with her by interacting with that piece of clothing. I tried to spend less time at the apartment until my roommate returned from her trip, and we saged the place the night she got back. We didn't have many problems after that, but my roommate's personality started to change quite drastically, and we are no longer friends. I hope she's well. I'm going to pause the spooky tales so you can hear a word from our sponsors. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. Unlike other major brands, Lola products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. No BS, mystery fibers, or doubts about what's going in your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. Lola will deliver exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. Major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including rayon and polyester. Listen, that stuff should only be in clothes, okay? Their feminine care products may also be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents, fragrance, and dyes. Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. The FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products, which is not fun. So most of them don't. Lola offers a complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes. The best thing is it's founded by women for women. Do good with your purchase. For every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. For 40% off your first month subscription, visit MyLola.com and enter It's Haunted when you subscribe. Once again, visit MyLola.com, enter code It's Haunted for 40% off your first month subscription. That all seems pretty intense. I know these types of hauntings affect people differently, and I hope that your friend or ex-friend has found some type of relief and that they're okay now. Our next submission comes from Withered Prince, who details how he was followed home by a shadow creature. And get ready, it's a long one. I didn't think I'd ever talk about this openly, but something happened recently that brought the whole thing back to my attention. This is a very long email, as I have to give context, and I apologize in advance for any mistakes or rambling. There is a too long don't read at the bottom of this, so hello and welcome, strap in. I would like to preface my story by saying that yes, I am a believer and I am open to debunking things, but I have been unable to do so for any personal experiences, hence why I'm a believer. Let me set the scene. The land that my grandma owns is incredibly haunted. Not just her house, but all of the houses on this section of the road that she owns. My grandparents had bought the land and the subsequent farmhouse that rested upon it, and that's where my ma and uncle grew up. The farmhouse was built in 1826, 
and was already 150 years old when they moved into it in 1976. My parents had built our house across the field or forest, essentially on the other side of the block, though this is in the country, so across from the old house. There's a long field with faded trails between the backyards, far enough that you can't see the houses from one end or the other, with forest and swampy areas on either side behind the rows of lots. We had to sell the house when I was younger, so we live elsewhere now. My grandma and ma live in a newer built house right next door to the farmhouse, whereas my papa and I live in a nearby town, and my uncle and his family have lived in the farmhouse since my grandma moved out. We don't know too much about the history of the land except that Native Americans used to live on it, however long ago that was. In one of the forested areas behind my grandma's newer house, dubbed the Shadow Woods, there's remnants of old teepees and arrowheads and other stuff. My grandpa kept a junk pile for old tires and things back where they were found, but never moved anything, and a lot of it is hidden by the brush, trash, or rotted away by now. It's the only spot on the whole property that we found these things. The reason I mention this is because I feel it might have a part to play in my experience, especially so since the Shadow Woods is right behind my grandma's newer house and her back patio glass door faces it directly. My own personal experience deals with an entity that I don't even know. It's odd to explain it after so long. I've told bits and pieces of what's happened to some friends and family before, but not all of it. No, not all. My family likes to take day trips to the beach in the summer, only a couple of hours away over the border, and have been doing so since my mother was young and since I and my cousins were young. The area around this beach is actually where my parents met, so this place is very important to my family. Half of the beach and large portions of the surrounding land are also owned by the Native Americans. On one beach trip around when I was in middle school, about 11 years old, we had a fun time as always. I was with my mom, aunt, younger cousin, and a close friend, and we were there from 10 a.m. until about 10 p.m. When I was little, I used to be confused as to why we were never allowed on the other half of the beach, even though it was empty on a hot, busy day, but my mom thoroughly explained to me about all of the property dealings and disputes over it. I never tried to go over to the other side until this instance. It was the first and last time I have ever stepped foot on the other side of that beach. I did so while explaining to my friend, let's call her Chai, the reasons why we couldn't go to the other side since she inevitably had the same question as I once did. Being kids, however, we got to teasing the invisible line that we weren't supposed to cross to see how far we could get. My cousin, let's call her Honey, didn't really participate and just stayed around the wooden post near where the cars bring their boats down to the water. Chai didn't get more than five feet in before turning around, and I didn't get more than ten before I saw it. It was a figure, dark and tall, standing in the tree line behind the beach, the sight made me stop in my tracks for a full minute, and all I could see was half of the figure that wasn't hidden by a tree. I wasn't able to make out any details, just a silhouette. I couldn't move, and it's kind of hard to explain, but I was entranced. Like I didn't hear anything, even though the others were talking to me, and I felt stuck, the world almost going fuzzy, 
except for that figure. Then I just snapped out of it, and I was suddenly back on the correct side of the post. Honey and Chai noticed I had spaced out because I didn't laugh at any of the jokes they were making, which is unlike me. I love jokes. But when I looked at them, I guess I must have seemed too weird. Chai hurried me and my cousin across the sand, and I didn't really recover for at least a good hour after that. I mentioned the figure, though neither of them had seen it, and my mom said it was probably just a Native American wandering and making sure that no one was going over there. Though I remember that she was a bit spooked when I first spoke of it and kept a watchful eye across the beach for the rest of the day. We both knew that no one ever wandered over there, Native American or locals, and there were no settlements near the beachfront on that side that someone could live in for many miles. The rest of the day went fine and fun, all of us forgetting about the odd encounter, and we were on our way back home well after the sun had gone down. I sat by one of the windows in the back on the driver's side with Chai in the middle, and Honey next to the other window. That's when I saw it. Outside of the window, moving alongside the car in the grass, was a shadow. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's just the car shadow. There was no sun, streetlights, or other traffic that would have cast a shadow like that, and it was darker than black, almost like a void. It was just us driving along a deserted stretch of road for over an hour before we hit thicker towns the closer we got to the border. It's just your eyes playing tricks on you in the dark. Maybe, but the shadowy thing wasn't there before for the first part of the drive, and nothing in the landscape changed. It wasn't as big as the car, but it was big, maybe door size. It was bounding next to the car in a gate that was mixed between a man's, something like a dog and just floating around the grass and stalks of corn. Sometimes it would dash under the car, sometimes on top, sometimes it would climb over and under the few passing cars or disappear completely for a few moments before reappearing. There was something like the ghosting of eyes, hardy har, but they were a dark red, sometimes glowing brightly and staring at me as it bounded along with us, sometimes dim and hollow, nearly gone. I got that trance-like feeling again, and I couldn't take my eyes off of it for the whole ride. It lasted nearly the entire drive home. Even when we crossed the bridge and got into towns, sometimes it would disappear for a few minutes, but then it would just crawl back out from under our car or a passing one and continue moving beside us, glancing my way. At one point, I remember asking Chai if she had seen the thing following us, very quietly so I wouldn't wake my cousin or alert the adults, and she said, What? That shadow thing? I'd never felt more relieved or scared at the same moment to know that I wasn't alone. That peculiar feeling never faded either, not even when we drove through much larger cities and the shadow vanished for a time. It was always there, lurking like a chill up my spine. Once we reached a bigger city, my aunt needed to visit her sister, so we stopped at her place. My mom didn't really want to stop for long because the city is notoriously shady, so she told us they'd only be a few minutes as her and my aunt went inside the house and left us girls in the car. By that time, I hadn't seen the shadow for a good ten minutes, and the feeling of dread slash apathy had faded, so I thought the thing had finally left me alone. I was very, very wrong. 
I had just begun telling Chai more about the shadow, how it seemed like it had followed us all the way from the beach and was filling in my newly awoken cousin when it happened. Through the window on Honey's side, I saw a figure standing down the street at the corner, all black underneath a street lamp, and completely still. It was shaped like a man, and really tall, like half the height of the lamppost at least. I remember thinking, how is that man so dark underneath the light, right before it hit me? I was transfixed, couldn't move, couldn't speak, I was so scared. Chai and Honey soon turned to look out the window as well. Once they saw my stricken state, they both froze. It was silent for a few tense seconds before I asked, You guys can see it too, right? Chai agreed. Honey turned to us like, This isn't funny, guys. You're just trying to scare me. Now, how would we have been able to do that? Conjure a shadow man out of nothing just to pull a prank? I don't think so. The figure soon started to move towards us, not taking steps, just lurching, like it would dip forward a few steps, then straighten up and stand there, staring. It would do this from one side of the street to the next and back again, from car to car, sidewalk to sidewalk, just slowly inching its way down the street. Lurch. Stop. Lurch. Stop. Lurch. Getting even closer. It was slow, Honey started freaking out and unbuckling her seatbelt, climbing into the floor space where my legs were supposed to be. Chai completely leaned into me, holding my arm. The other started to scream to try and get the adult's attention in the house, even though there was absolutely no way they would hear us. I was quiet, petrified, and unable to do anything but watch. Honey had just wiggled around the front seat to slam on the car horn when the figure reached the corner of the neighbor's fence. The fence was casting a shadow on the sidewalk where it had stopped, and the shadow was completely hidden except for its red eyes. Then those were gone and the feeling left. The other two were still yelling when my ma and aunt finally came out, surely giving them a fright when we started going on about how there was a man stalking us on the street. Both had looked over at the fence but saw nothing. The city is infamously dangerous, especially at night, So real man or not, my ma was very eager for us to leave at that point. Chai and I shared a knowing look because that definitely wasn't a man. It wasn't even human. We'd arrived back at my grandma's house after dropping off my cousin and aunt next door, and we were going to spend the night and take Chai home the next day. I didn't want to get out of the car at that point since the anxiously familiar feeling had plagued me the rest of the ride back and both my friend and I had spotted red eyes peering into the car from the side of the road along the way. Settling in for the night, I looked outside through my grandma's back patio door. I don't know why I looked. It was pitch black outside, except for her yard light, which just illuminates the lower deck and bird feeders, nothing beyond. And, as my luck that day would have it, there the shadow was. The thing stood right in the middle of the lower deck in full light, yet with no discernible features. It wasn't quite humanoid-shaped anymore, just a sort of thick black cloud with red eyes. I was entranced yet again, though this time I wasn't afraid. This time, I paid closer attention to it, curious as to what it wanted. I don't really know how to explain this without sounding like a weirdo, 
but I'm already this deep into the story, so I might as well. I was absolutely positive that the shadow didn't want to hurt me. I don't know why I felt this, or if it was even me that was making me feel this way, but it's the truth. For some reason, I was sure that it didn't want to harm me, didn't want to scare me, it just wanted to be noticed. After a few minutes, which felt like hours, the shadow turned around and began moving out across the yard. It kept glancing back like it was looking over its shoulder at me, almost as if it was making sure that I was still there. Once I saw it reach the grass line at the edge of the yard underneath the moonlight, the shadow, still blacker than black that night, it turned and looked at me fully. I placed my hand on the glass. It turned around and knelt down into the grass and bounded away out of sight. The trance was gone, and I only felt wistfulness as it left, almost like I missed the damn thing. I wouldn't have to wait long before seeing it again. So since the shadow creature had followed me all the way back from another country, it took a liking to my grandma's property. I'm not surprised, really. That place is a hotspot for the paranormal, and my family and I are positive that there are several other things there. I also suspected it may have had something to do with the Native American history of this place, as it had essentially moved from one Native American reserve to whatever the hell my grandma's property is. What was odd about this entity, though, is that it seemed to have a strange connection with me, if that weren't obvious at this point. I would see it every time I went over to my grandma's house for the next, god, years. It's really odd to think about it objectively now and try to figure out exact timelines. You have to understand this thing became such a staple in my life that I would sometimes even be eager to see it. Yeah, eager. It was very weird, to say the least. The shadow would always duck around the edge of the yard in the grass, even in broad daylight. It would weave through the grass and brushes, occasionally scaring out a rabbit or a bird, and poke its head up to look at me through the sliding glass door. At night was the only time it would come right up to the window, and it would sit with me. The entity never seemed to want to hurt me, it just watched me as vividly as I watched it. I don't know if Honey quite remembers those instances, but the thing didn't like being seen by anyone but me. If she were over, it would usually disappear back towards the woods. My grandma never saw anything and still sometimes refuses seeing some of the other things going on, but she's come around recently, and my ma sees more around that house than I do. I don't think she ever saw it though, or if she has, she hasn't said anything about it. I knew, deep inside, that this creature couldn't be something inherently good, after all, what kind of black shadow with red eyes ever is? However, it could have just been my young naivete, but I almost thought this thing was my friend. Thank you all for listening to me rambling, and I apologize if I was a bit all over the place. There are way too many encounters of this thing to talk about them individually, so I had to try and lump them together. I have had very conflicting feelings about this shadow creature, on one hand, it just can't be something benevolent, right? And on the other, it had never once tried to frighten me or harm me. I have to wonder if I'll keep seeing the shadow like old times, or if it was just a single odd happening. If anyone has any thoughts as to what this entity is, or any thoughts at all, I'd be happy to hear them. I'll be sure to recount some of the other ghouls from this place in the future. <laughs> 
wow, that <laughs> freaked me out. I have no idea what to even make of the whole shadow creature thing. I have a feeling it might be tied to the Native American land, but I'm not sure. It sounds like there's a Native American troll type thing, like a puck wedgie or something like that. That's kind of what it sounds like, but I could be completely off with that. Okay, well that wraps up this episode. If you would like to submit your own spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help us out. You can find us on most social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted. At Instagram, it's hauntedwhatnow or at hauntedpod.com. Producer for the show and creepy tune creator is Nico, who manages We Talk of Dreams. Follow him on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or visit WeTalkOfDreams.com. Audio engineer is the talented Chaz Gray, who manages Gray Multimedia. Until next time. Did you hear that?